Let's do a pre-show. Why not? We're all here anyway. I mean, we're all as in me. I'm here anyway, so might as well, right? And I missed a week. Something that I haven't done since I started doing the show again. <laughs> I always I always took great pride in um, the original Nine Cents podcast every week dropping a new episode, no matter what. This past week, you know, I did an extended thought blog, which I hoped would make up for the fact that I didn't do an episode, but I just feel like I cheated you. That's just me being honest. So let's do a little pre-show, shall we? All right, so for the people who threw up in chat way early, not in that way, <laughs> threw up their comments, uh, Bradley, good to see you, man. Uh, Mike, not much from Utah. Not much. Beautiful time of year. The weather's really good, but yeah, that's kind of it. Hi, Valeria. How you doing, hon? Good to see you. William, what's up, man? Good to see you. Gary, how are you? Uh, Zachary, always good to see you. Okay, what am I going to talk about pre-show? Um, let's talk about Mother's Day. Today's Mother's Day. I'm ignoring my wife, who is a mother, which I guess makes me a motherfucker. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, stupid joke. I know I had to throw it out there. If you have a mother, and I'm pretty sure most of you know data. What? Okay, hold on. We might have to work out a problem because I'm seeing an error pop up. You guys let me know if you're seeing an error. I shouldn't be seeing any errors. That's crazy that that came up. Um... Yeah, that's right. All fathers are in more than one way, too. Um, so I'm pretty sure all of you have a mother. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not psychic or anything, but I got a hunch. But not all mothers are good. And that's something I think we all need to understand. We all need to accept. This is the reality. There are some horrible mothers. There are some mothers that should never have been a mother. That's just the facts. And the chances of you having one of those mothers is above 0%. <laughs> what is going on with my stream quality? I am suffering here and I don't know why. This is actually going to really bother me. Okay, so I guess my point here... Hey, Sean, how you doing? Is that uh, if you had one of the good ones, a mother that didn't leave you with any psychological damage or physical abuse, uh, any weird hang-ups. If you got one of the good ones, let them know. Let them know you appreciate them because it's going to make them feel good. It really doesn't take anything off of you. You know, it doesn't cost you anything to let them know that you love them and, you know, you appreciate what they did. But again, that's only if you had one of the good ones. I happen to have a, a pretty good one. You know, early on, not so great. Later on, came around. <laughs> that's that's kind of what happened. Growth is what I think they call it. Occurred. <clears throat> All right, I'm starting to get really worried about my frame right here. Hmm. Hmm. I'm getting dropped frames. And that is not supposed to happen with uh, my setup. I'm glad I'm pre-gaming pre this. Pre-game? Pre pre-game showing it <laughs> this is a game show uh, you know what? i don't care i'm just gonna keep going hopefully it'll resolve itself and if it doesn't 
Well, then I'm sorry, everyone, because you're going to have some dropped frame rates. I actually, I don't have anything running on my computer. I don't know why this would be happening. Let's examine this, shall we? Let's examine this with the uh, uh, task manager. What is taking up my CPU right now? Why the hell is iCloud operating? That's taking up a bit. That's weird. Google Drive is taking up a bit. That's weird. All right, well, I got rid of them, so hopefully that fixes it. Okay, so yeah, if you got a good mom, let them know that you got a good one and you appreciate who and what they are and what they're doing, how they're raised you and stuff. Uh, you low-key appreciate how easy it is being a man. <laughs> Is it though? Is it? I like Bill Burr's approach to um, being a mother. Is that really the hardest job? Really? <laughs> uh, tiling roof at a midsummer in LA with red hair? That's easier than being a mom? Really? Sitting around in your pajamas all day? Giving the kids a nap so you can have a, a, a Pinot Grigio while you're watching your soaps. That's so hard. <laughs> What's up, Wes? It has been a long time. Where the hell have you been, man? Uh, Kyle, good to see you. Mike? Oh, you're still here. Good. I thought you might have been one of those that stops in for an early how you doing and then drops out. It happens. Okay. Um, I, I do want to give it quick before we start the show proper here. How much time do we got? What time is it? I'm looking all over and I know where my clock is. Okay, I got 10 minutes before the show starts. I want to give a quick shout out to everyone. Uh, I just passed 5,000 subscribers and that's nothing compared to anyone on YouTube. There are people with many more that don't speak to anything of significance. They just do ASMR or they're putting makeup on their fucking face or, you know, I don't know. What, there's, what I have as a subscriber count is a drop in the bucket compared to nearly everyone on YouTube, but I genuinely appreciate it because I speak to something that is a minority discussion amongst a minority of topics. I mean, let's be honest, compared to left-hand paths, Satanism, we like to think it is like this sort of dominant force in that realm, as it were, but it's not. It's really not. And then it's even sort of smaller when you actually weasel it down to people who actually know what Satanism is and then speak to actual Satanism versus their own version. You know, everyone's trying to make a new brand, make a new copy. So I genuinely appreciate your time and attention. It's, I, I don't get like a badge or anything for it. And, and that's not why I thank you. I, I'm thanking you because you're spending your time tuning in at times. And that means a lot. I do appreciate it. Um, it's not nothing. <laughs> I'll say that. It's not nothing. Um, I'm I'm kind of freaking out. I'm, this is turning into just an intro to the show. These are topics I was going to be talking about during the beginning of the show. I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. We uh, heard from our neighbors that, that these dropped frame rates. Are these affecting you guys? Please let me know in the chat if it is. I should wear more makeup, you son of a... Um, let me know if the drop frame rates are, are, are bugging you. Because I can stop the feed and then restart it at a lower rate, I think. Or just start a new show at like 1080p instead of 4K. 
Um, if it's a hindrance. If it's not, then it doesn't matter. Okay, so, uh, and here's the, like, the worst part about this is nothing has changed. That's what drives me crazy. And I've run other 4K shows recently with no problem at all. So, in the same exact setup, it, it kind of bugs me. It always surprises you how many people know about the Church of Satan. Not a fan of the will-to-be Satanic Panic 2.0 folks, though. No, I'm not either. That's, that, there, can we, let's talk about this for a second. Because there's two major faces of the, the number two that I'm showing. Or we'll do it like this, for you Germans in the room. Um, there are two major uh, problems, I think, with Satanists Online. And one is the victim badge. They desperately want another satanic panic, and so they're almost trying to will it into existence. They want that victim badge. Okay, well, being a Satanist is not about being a victim, so get over yourselves. You're doing it wrong. And clearly, you can obviously do it wrong. Um, that was number one of the two. Number two is this idea that there's this community. Like, we should support each other in everything we do simply because we are Satanists. No. No. <laughs> Reread the Satanic Bible if that's what you're thinking. If you think simply because I am a Satanist and there's another Satanist doing X or Y, I should then support that Satanist, no. And if you're subscribing to my channel because of that ideology, just unsubscribe. I, I don't need you. I don't want you. You're not, not what I'm looking for. I'm looking to communicate actual Satanism, uh, not foster some weird sense of community. That's weird. That, that's not right. That's antithetical to the religion. Don't be a victim. Stop thinking in communal terms. Stand on your own two feet. That's what it's all about. Your own two feet. As I slap my coaster. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been struggling with this. So my, my neighbors have had break-ins. Attempted break-ins, I think. And so that sort of pushed me over the edge. And I've got a really good friend who uh, has security cameras all over his house. And so I sort of reached out to him. Bede, you guys know him, Bede. Great guy. I'm going to talk about him more in the show here in a little bit. Um, and then, uh, so I, I sort of broke down. I was like, all right, well, let's research some different security camera options and get the best available that fits our budget, and is going to serve our interests the best. So I did digging, and I did my due diligence, and we ended up purchasing a system. Super easy to set up. Did it within like an hour and a half. Not a big deal. And now we have all of these cameras that I can see every inch and speak to and hear from, from my phone um, in 4K, which is maybe why I'm getting drop frame rates. <laughs> my security system is stealing them. Uh, at any moment, at any hour, throughout any day I want. The problem that I've realized is that now I'm thinking about it. I was never thinking about someone coming up and trying to, you know, test my windows and doors to see if it was open before. And now that's all I think about because of this goddamn security system. And every stupid-ass alert that pops up on my phone only amplifies the anxiety and panic that the original purchase fostered. I can't handle it. Already this stupid watch is adding tons of anxiety for me to meet my fitness goals every single goddamn day. And now I have a security camera forcing me to panic about, 
you know, making sure I'm all locked down and it's Fort Knox and no one's getting in when no one wants to get in in the first place. Coupled by the fact that I bought into the hype and hysteria of the stupid ass pandemic, bought a bunch of fucking firearms that I can't find fucking ammunition for anymore, and yet I'm still obsessed with this idea of someone breaking into my fucking house and then the fact that I'm gonna have to shoot them in the face, which will never happen in the first place. I lived my entire adult life not giving in to fear. And this pandemic has just wiped all of that away. Holy shit, it bothers me so much. I cannot tell you. Hey, Sean, thanks for joining us. Um, if I hadn't said it before, I'm not sure. Jason, what's up, man? Marty, froze a few seconds. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting it every once in a while. It's kind of bugging me. I'm not going to start it over again, though. We'll live with it. We'll deal with it. I've got a lot of drop frames, if I'm being honest. But hopefully it's going to be okay. Uh, that's the point, Zachary. So he says, I respect other Satanists once they've demonstrated that they actually get it. I won't support anyone I don't like, though. Here, here. That's how it's supposed to be. Earn it. All right. So, yeah. Um, fitness watches or wearables, I guess you could refer to them as. Not worth it. Uh, firearms in the home. I don't know if they're worth it. <laughs> I'm being honest. And security cameras. Not entirely sure they're worth it. But the one time that I need them and they work and they're there makes up for all of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you only need it to need them once for you to be like, no, it was totally worth it. <laughs> I'm so glad I had them. I don't know. That's just, uh... Mike, I might not need to lean on you. In the case of, uh, I'm just going to, I'll travel to your place. We'll barter whatever you need. I don't know, liquor or, or alcohol or something for them. If shit hits the fan, I'm headed right to your place. We'll barter a little bit and then, you know, we'll go our separate ways or maybe we'll team up or something. <laughs> How does that sound? I actually have a friend, again, the same gentleman who helped me with the security system. And he was like, um, all you got to do is get to my house. I got you. Don't worry about it. I've got all the rounds you need. It's like, all right, I'll bring all my shit to your house and we'll just sort of hole up there. We'll do our own little, um, uh, uh, oh, what is that? The road survival, you know, at your house. Uh, Anton, thanks for joining. How you doing? You got cameras last week too. Oh, nice. What, what brand did you get? Uh, nothing ever happens. I got the hottest neighborhood though. <laughs> you know what bothers me about the cameras is that now I'm like eyeing things differently. I'm like looking at, at behavior differently. I'm like, is that person walking by my house or are they scoping out my house? <laughs> They're just walking by. Stop freaking out. You're not important. That's, I keep telling myself. Doesn't help though. Let's talk a little bit about, um, we got one minute. Let's start the show and I'll get into some Valpurgis Knox stuff. <laughs> Welcome to Nine Cents. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of the modern world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It is great to have you. Today is May the 9th, 
Mother's Day, and I got a great show for you this week. In The Devil's Advocate, we're going to be talking about what makes a witch. Might not be what you think. Actually, it's probably what you think, unless it isn't. In the Infernal Informant online speech, shield under fire as Trump Facebook banned stays. Might surprise you with my thoughts. Women, and then the second article, women, uh, woman killed when man lands on her after jumping from downtown San Diego structure identified. Not a funny, but a quirky story that was sent to me by a good, uh, good man. Uh, I appreciate you sending it to me. We're going to talk a little bit about it. Just sort of the chaos, random chaos of the universe. And we're going to close that with something I just watched last night, and I'm still a bit on a high of. Boys from County Hell. It's a horror film, and uh, we're going to get into it. And these drop frames, man, these are going to... I'm trying to think about what could be causing them, and I genuinely don't know. They're going to drive me mad. All right. We're going to deal with it. Somehow we're going to get through this together. We're going to get through this as a community. <laughs> Um, I want to talk a little bit about Valpurgis Knock because I didn't really get into it. I was, you know, I was really hungover when I did that vital existence vlog. I mean, I was really, really hungover. I enjoyed myself way more than I should have. And I probably embarrassed myself to uh, some people that I really respect. I'm hoping I didn't, but I probably did, if I'm being honest. That being said, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Bede, reached out to me and said, hey, what do you think about hitting New York on Valpurgisnacht? And I was like, fuck yeah, what do you mean? And it turns out that our mutual friends, uh, Storm and Renee, that live in the Witchcraft District, they have the Halloween house uh, over there, really great people, uh, used to be local Utahns, moved out to the, the Witch District. They were going to be hosting that 20th anniversary gathering for the Maestro. Uh, to celebrate him and present him with the gong that everyone was so wonderful in keeping a secret about. Um, all right, you know what? I'm going to up my bit right here because it's saying it's too low. Yeah, give me one second while I do that. It's just going to take a second. And done. Okay, so uh, I, I was like, yeah, I would love to. Are you sure that it's okay for me to go? And the only time, it's not fair, um, most of the times that I've ever been invited to uh, New York to sort of hang out with some of the, the individuals up there, I usually can't go, uh, or I kind of invite myself in a weird way. I felt like I was inviting myself because it wasn't the Andersons that were inviting me, it was a friend whom they invited that was inviting me. And so I was really hesitant to go because they'd never reached out directly to me. Um, so anyway, I ended up going, they were, of course, hey, I know them, I've known them for years, they've both been on the show, it's not like, you know, some weird guest thing or anything, I mean, like, they, they, they know who I am, I know who they are, he's inked me a ton, we're good friends, and I know they're great hosts, and so we um, traveled up there, and here's something that I need to tell you guys about traveling, I really don't enjoy traveling at all, really, I like my territory. I like my total environment that I've crafted and cultivated over the years of being a grown adult, right? This is my safe space, which the, the phrase sounds stupid nowadays, but this is where I feel comfortable. Going out east, I live in the west, going out east, everything is clustered together and everyone's moving about all the, everything's really quick and, and everyone's fucking moody and shit. You come out west and everyone's kind of chill. 
and you got space. You can stretch. You can breathe. It feels good out here. <clears throat> There's actually not clustered roads that are this wide. So I don't enjoy traveling to the, um, the East Coast very much. Um, it's a cultural thing. This time, I could not ask for a better traveling companion than Bede. This man, like, he and I have gotten along for a really long time. We were introduced to each other through Storm at one of his Halloween bashes. So thank you, Storm, for introducing us. Um, but since then, we've hit it off, and we're just, you know, really good. We're drinking buddies. We're friends. Um, at least I consider it. He probably sees me as an annoyance, to be fair. But uh, he's a great traveling companion. What you want in a good traveling companion is someone that will riff in the same way that you riff comedically or talking shit or, you know, he just sort of has the same vibe of communication as you do. And to be fair, I am socially awkward in general and I'm just a weird person. I, I don't feel like I communicate well to normal human beings. <laughs> it has to be kind of a weird person like I am presuming you and me uh, to really be able to, to in engage with. And he and I just have a really good back and forth and we're joking and laughing the whole time. At no point did I feel like, fuck, what today is it? We got to get back. We were together for like four straight days, three nights in a hotel room together. And um, I'll just say he's a generous and tender lover. <laughs> just had a great time with him. Uh, I, I did not get annoyed or bothered at all. And I really thought, not because it was him, but just in general, being with someone else that long, I thought I would get annoyed. Didn't. Anyway, so we head over to the, the Halloween house, um, and <laughs> Storm and Ray are great with planning things. And they already had this whole scheme set up, and a whole setting in their backyard and everything. Right? I haven't asked if I can tell this story. I hope this is okay. <laughs> Oops, too late. Uh, and so, like, tents are set up and stuff, and the wind starts kicking in. And that weekend was the windiest it's ever been since I've been there. Same time of year, but just in general, the windiest period that I've ever seen since I've been there. And um, it was picking up tents and wrecking them, and they had to go out and pick up new tents and everything. We were like, you know, everyone's going to be outside mingling during this entire shindig. We decided at the last second, well, we're going to have to move it all inside, changing everything from the presentation to the after party to the mingling and the food and the drink and everything. And it became this huge monstrosity that they just sort of eased through like butter. And they really were able to sort of turn on a dime and change their plans. And then at the last second, change them right back to the original because the wind ended up not being as bad as we expected. And then as soon as I got there, I thought I was just going to be like sort of a wallflower. You know, just sitting back, having a few drinks, watching the whole thing go down, enjoying myself. And as soon as I got there... Um, Merciless was like, hey, you're running the camera. <laughs> I was like, okay, awesome. I'll do it. And so, uh, I, uh, I ran the camera and I was trying to get all these stupid angles and, you know, get a little bit of interest for those who were tuning into it. It ended up going really wonderfully and everyone was, you know, doing their part to make it happen. And just another event that Storm and Renee really killed, um, in a good way. <laughs> on behalf of all of us Satanists to celebrate our high priest 20 years of being the high priest. 
Um, it was such a good time. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm so glad I had the opportunity to be a part of it. Even if it would have been just a wallflower, wallflower part, I would have been happy. But being able to man the camera and stuff like that was a lot of fun too. And seeing the engagement and the surprise um, from the maestro and uh, Magister and Dramey as they came out and everyone was standing there, you know, yelling surprise and the looks on their face. And then uh, Magister Dramey turned and looked at me and she was like, ah, <laughs> there's just this, it was really short. But it was just this moment she was like, oh, you, I can't believe you're here. Because literally not moments before, the maestro was texting. I was texting him and he was texting me. And we were just like, you know, how are you going to celebrate your evening? And he's like, oh, I'm going over this. Anderson's and it's going to be a good time. I'm like, oh, I love them. We miss them over in Utah. He's like, how are you celebrating? I'm like, oh, I'm just hanging out with my friend Bede. Clearly, it's a surprise. I can't tell them I'm waiting for them at the Anderson's house. It was a great time. I had such a, and again, drank way too much. Ended up, I remember distinctly almost shouting arguments <laughs> with the high priestess about Rocky Horror Picture Show. I probably shouldn't have, but I just did. And that's what happens when I drink. I, I sort of turn into argumentative Adam. And uh, I drank like, uh, like a, it was, yeah, it was, it was most of the bottle of rye that I had picked up the, the night before most of it um and then i had this big argument with storm <laughs> about community yeah it was it was a really fun night for me because i enjoy arguing i hope everyone else was okay with it maybe they weren't i don't know the next day needless to say um we we had to deliver said uh gong to the high priest and uh i was hung again massively hung over felt ill not well we carried this massive gong in and, and set it up and we're sitting around talking and stuff and my stomach was immediately just like blah, blah, blah. i was like oh no oh no and i'm trying in my head i'm trying to think was there any gas stations on the way here that i could just run out the front door and hit really quick so i don't have to destroy the high priest bathroom because I knew what was coming. I destroyed it. I'm not proud of it. I, I feel horrible about it. I did my best to conceal it. But it was one of those moments in a comedy film where you're laughing your ass off at the tragedy that is unfolding in front of you, except in this scene, I'm in the middle of the tragedy. It was horrible. I felt so bad. I have, a, I have a, this habit. I'm sorry. We are going to start the show soon. I, just give me a second to get this one out. I have this habit of embarrassing myself or, or, or performing horribly in front of a live, you know, group of people that I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm endeared to that I care about. So, for example, one of the times I met uh, Magister Barton, um, wonderful woman. I absolutely adore her. It was, uh, I went to San Diego to uh, join in on a group ritual and they, it was during the holidays. And so they had like cider. And so as soon as I get in there, you know, we greet and hug and say, hi, how you'd been. And she offers me some cider. I was like, oh, I'd love some. And so I go over there and she so graciously grabs the cup so I could, you know, use the ladle and pour the cider in so that I could then take the cup from her and drink it or give it to my family or whatever. I ended up pouring the 
steaming hot cider on her hand at like trying to get into the cup because I don't know how to pour from a ladle apparently. I'm like the worst. And so I burn one woman's hand. I'm shitting up someone else's bathroom because I can't fucking keep myself from drinking too much amongst wonderful other human beings. I'm the worst. Don't ever invite me anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was just like Dumb and Dumber, Scott. Like, except it wasn't in Aspen. <laughs> so embarrassing. But it was a good time, and the Andersons were fucking amazing, and Bede is just, like, the fucking best. If you ever get a chance to meet this man, count yourself lucky. Okay, that being said, <laughs> let's dive into the show. A little devil's advocate. <laughs> I'm going to throw up an image and we will get into it. Let me just preface this by, by saying the reason why I'm doing this topic is because it's Mother's Day and most mothers are genuine witches um, from a truly satanic perspective. And that is they use lesser magic in order to run a household of insane little humans running around causing a, a havoc. You have to be a bit of a witch in order to deal with that. So I thought, well, what makes a great witch? And I know the complete witch or what to do when virtue fails, otherwise known as the satanic witch, and the satanic Bible deal directly with this. So why not talk about it in the satanic segment on a satanic podcast? So let's do it. Okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this because um, we, you know, as a younger individual we often run across or we claim to be somewhat more significant or more dialed into the occult or left-hand path than we probably actually are you know we like to bloviate our own sense of self-worth when we're younger before we get to a point where we can honestly and uh, critique ourselves and, and objectively look at what we're actually good at the talents that we actually have and then we can you know as a satanist uh, build on them and, and stuff like that. Uh, and so you run across in life, if you run through occult or left-hand path circles, a lot of women that claim to be witches. And in my own personal anecdotal experience, it's a lot of hot topic teenagers just trying to be cool. That's generally what it is. Um, sorry, I keep looking down at that note that pops up on my screen that says your stream, you're, you're losing uh, frame rates. Oh, it's driving me nuts. Um, and so I'd like to talk a little bit about what makes a witch. And this can run in some parts tangentially to what makes a warlock, because ultimately females are witches and males are warlock. Now, this has nothing to do with your natural born gender it is very much an individual interpretation of your own sense of self meaning trans can be witches it doesn't matter um, if you identify as a female uh, as a satanist hey 
good on you. Be a witch. Don't care. <laughs> you know, just, just fucking own the role that you're claiming and don't pretend to be something you're not. If that's really what you are, then own it. So that being said, what are some of the, the ideas that people purport to be witches? What sort of credentials do they use? And, you know, a lot of it comes from this weird inherited ability side of things. They're like, oh, well, my mother was a witch or my grandmother was a witch or, or somewhere in my ancestry there was someone who was uh, burned at a stake in Salem that, you know, was a witch, so hence I must be a witch. No, that's bullshit. And, you know, you just, you're, you're trying too hard. Ultimately, you're creating this myth surrounding you that this backstory that's just not going to hold up uh, to anyone actually looking. Or it's this idea that um, uh, I, I, I come from this astrological era that, you know, if you read the signs, that type of person is more like, or, or, you know, I'm this Zodiac sign. And so I have these abilities or it's a lot of new age mumbo jumbo rather than you as an individual having to back up what you claim. Or, you know, I, I studied a lot of the Golden Dawn, so I must be a witch, or I ran with uh, some other pagans, which really means if, if you ever run into someone who says they ran with pagans or they were part of a witch coven, what that actually means is they walked through the mall and visited some hot topics and the incense candle store. Um, it's not like the craft of the 90s movie where, you know, they were actually, like, conducting rituals. More often than not... It's a lot of like, uh, you know, shoebox uh, whispers of prayer to, to gods and goddesses that will benefit them. Um, not so much the ritual side of things. Again, my own personal experience. Um, and more often than not, sadly, not particularly attractive. Not that that matters. But in general, not particularly attractive. And generally just trying to improve themselves in the wrong way <laughs> you know they're, they're going down this weird wiccan pagan trail that they really hope is gonna work oh give me the man i need or give me the woman i need or whatever it is you need money career when if they just applied themselves a little bit they'd get you know much better results anyway okay so that being said a lot of bullshit spread by people claiming to be witches uh, a lot of people claiming to have ESP. I ran across friends personally who claimed this. And, you know, we would be like, we went to a club one time and she was sitting there really sort of moody, gothy, you know, just being a sort of vintage goth queen, um, uh, very sort of vampire-esque. And she's like, stop trying to talk to me. I'm working on something. It's like, I didn't say anything. Like, what are you talking about? She's like, I can tell that you're psychically trying to connect with me and I'm not ready to have a conversation. Like, what are you talking about? I'm just sitting here, like listening to music. What? You know, there's a lot of that going on where there's a lot of, you don't understand what's happening, but these people are seeing this and doing this and, and you're going to engage with them in this or that way. There's a lot of sort of abstract references to somehow prove they have this, this powerful ability to read a room which never actually bears any fruit, but if you believe it, then you'll sort of just like pat them on the head in your mind and be like, okay, whatever, you're, you're supreme witch. I get it. Um, <laughs> or, you know, we can go old school with this. Oh, I'm a witch because I have these birthmarks. I have these shapes of birthmarks. And maybe these marks are in certain places 
that are more conducive to be ooky and witchy and evil. And so that clearly means I don't even have to try. I'm just a natural born witch. You get a lot of the natural born stuff, which is code word for I don't really have to try. I can just say that and hope that you buy it. I don't have to prove anything, you know. And let's be fair. If you're a guy getting into the occult, you're kind of chasing tail anyway. You like the freaky girls. And so you're just kind of going to believe them, you know, take things at face value. Even if you don't really believe them, you'll say you will. And eventually that turns into you actually believing them. Sadly to say. Personal experience. <laughs> what a clusterfuck. That's right. Um, <laughs> Area 51. Are you in my town? <laughs> Muck. Um, and then uh, unusual conditions at birth. Like I was born during a storm and the first blue moon. or You know, there's like weird things where you try to piece together some way where I was born at 666 a.m. Uh, I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> Now that I think about time, but uh, you get my drift. You make up these fictions about your birth to add significance to you as an individual, thereby proving your bona fides as a witch. Let's talk about the reality behind it instead of this sort of made-up fiction, because you can't, you can't just read a book, the Satanic Bible or the Satanic Witch included, and hence be a witch. You can't want to be something and hence be it simply because you wanted it. You can't just grab a, 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 an art history book and become a fine arts major. You have to put in the time. You have to put in the work to develop, to hone those skills that actually prove that you are that something. So whether that's an architect or a, I don't know, damn good barista, you, you've got to put in the effort. Um, witches must be women, obviously, because it's a witch. It's a witch. Um, results and how those results are received are the most important factor of being a witch. Not you putting on a particular type of clothing or looking a certain way or having a certain amount of people fawning after you. It's delivering the goods of being a witch that proves it. And that's why most witches out there, you don't know are witches because they're simply satanic females moving through life being successful. So all you know is that it's a woman who is successful and that's it. And little do you know, she's a massively effective witch. <laughs> Pedigrees are meaningless and they do not produce results. Do not lean on your family or let's say you're a granddaughter of Anton LaVey. That doesn't mean anything. Let's say you're a grandson of Anton LaVey because that, that's a thing out there right now. I'm super ooky bad and satanically infused because I'm, you know, the grandfather. I mean, the grandson of uh, Anton LaVey. That doesn't mean shit. There's no pedigree of evil, of power. That's like a set. That's, a, that's like a... Um, Oh, what is that? Um, that's a Goosebumps novel. <laughs> that's not reality. And if you want to live in Goosebumps, if you know that is, it's a brand of books, of, of scary books for little children, then that's fine. Live in Goosebumps. But that's not the real world. There is no hereditary power. It all comes from you realizing what you are. 
That's the power. Okay. Let's get into a little bit of uh, the standard Bible side of this, and that's owning the look. Every Satanist, whether you're a witch or warlock, you must understand the look. Now, this is generated by every individual Satanist through sex, sentiment, and wonder, or some combination thereof. And it depends on your genetics, your own physical makeup, your own psychology, your own individual uh, physiological chemistry on where you fall in on those three attributes, if it's all three or not. And you just sort of own who and what you actually are after a thorough examination of yourself. Not always easy. It's actually very difficult. Oh, well, um, you're not Wiccan unless you have 100 zippers on your pants. <laughs> That's true. Google it. All right, it's science. All right? Google it. <laughs> I love when people do that. Hey, it's science. What do you want me to say? It's true. It's a fact. Google it. <laughs> you can win any argument by just saying, hey, Google it. Um, so understanding the command to look through using your sex sentiment or wonder. Um, I have, I mean, this show, I, I'm trying probably failing, but I'm trying to present a little bit more of a professional front for, that's really funny after I just went on all these tirades and talked about shitting in a fucking bathroom, um, but I try to, in general, present a little bit more of a professional satanic front than just wearing, you know, satanic t-shirts and wearing satanic jewelry and stuff like that. I am actually a professional in my real life, I just don't play one on TV. So, um, understanding one, your audience, and then two... Uh, how to speak to your audience, is what the command to look is all about. What lesser magic is all about. And if you are a witch, then you are actively using lesser magic. If you are not actively using lesser magic, you cannot be a witch, because that is the defining aspect of being a witch. Producing results, using magic. Um, making a pact with the devil. It's essential. In order to be a witch, you have to make a pact with the devil. And let it sink in for just a second before I put in the, let me explain. Now let me explain. Making a pact with the devil is not actually looking for the Christian devil. Again, that's a Christian thing, not a satanic thing. Ours is metaphorical. You have to make a pact with yourself. The, the inner demons that drive your ambition that black flame at the core you can't even see my hand the black flame at the core of yourself you have to make a pact with you are your own god you are your own devil own it and make a decision a conscious decision that i will live with intention and i will dominate my life through action lesser magic so that is the making the pact with the devil um, and then making use of your talents. If you are trying to be the old crone who bakes cookies and gives them to kids, but you don't know how to bake, well then try something different. Try a different avenue in order to find your individual mix of sex, sentiment, and wonder. Um, you know, sometimes individuals are just seemingly blessed with physical attributes or talents whether they have a green thumb or they're just great at baking you know they seem or they're great at artwork 
people just have different capacities in different avenues of experience in life. If you find that you just happen to have a knack for something, own that thing and use that to your advantage as a witch. That is going to actually help you realize who and what you actually are. <laughs> Want to buy LaVey's first baby blanket? It'll make you a better witch. Um, have perspectives uh, and do not fall sway to popular culture. This is, this is more of a satanic carte blanche statement than specific to witches, but you cannot be a witch unless you adhere to these as well. And that is to say, do not be forgetful of past orthodoxies. If you're falling sway to popular culture, then you're actually not living with intention. You're trying to catch up to someone else's intention. You're following someone else's lead rather than dominating your own path, blazing your own trail through life. And as a witch, you need to blaze your own trail. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't lean on some of these more common popular cultural aspects of life, whether it's uh, social media, <clears throat> some people do, and that's, that's okay. <laughs> it's an avenue, all right? Some people are great at it. Um, you know, or maybe it's beauty vlogs or whatever the popular cultural movement is. If you want to jump on that bandwagon in order to then steer it hard left, more then that's great. More power to you. You're using popular culture rather than following it. So as long as you're aware of modern trends and you're not becoming a victim to them, well, then you can actually effectively be a witch in that aspect and still use modern uh, pop culture to your advantage. What you tend to find, again, they're not Satanists, but what you tend to find is most witches, they don't. They just follow, they, you know, they, they, they look at uh, uh, historical aspects of what they think a witch should be, and they just try to mimic it. Whether they're good at it or not, they just try to do that because, well, I'm a witch, and so I must be like this. That's like trying to say a Satanist looks like this. That's, if you've ever met a Satanist, every single one of them looks dramatically different. And I'm not talking about genetically, I'm talking about aesthetically. Every witch is the same way. And effective witches, you will never know. So if you are leaning on the witch name, you got like a witch silver neck. I don't know why this is an example I'm using. You got a t-shirt that says, I'm a witch bitch. Someone should make that shirt if it's not already out there. Um, if you're dressing like a witch... You're clearly not one because you're, you're, you're showing your hand. A real witch would never show her hand. Okay, so that's where I wanted to lead with this is that too often, and a lot of it is an experience, but in general, most witches are really bad at what they actually do, and that's being a witch. And the true nature of a witch means that you're actively using your abilities and you're seeing results and they're being received by those you're working uh, either on their behalf or against. It's really important to use that measuring stick and not some, some, some weird aesthetic stick. All right, what do you guys have to say about this? Uh, you're not Wiccan. Okay, so uh, the more they find the need to announce that they're a witch, the less likely they are in any capacity whatsoever. Absolutely right. Uh, appreciate that, James. 
<laughs> Chasing tail into occultism. Me? No, I definitely don't relate to that anecdote. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I totally did. <laughs> Suspect you did too. Uh, which hierarchy? I think not. That's a, There's a lot of that too. Um, let's see. Uh, one of your favorite satanic witches is Millie Bobby Brown. Hope she gets psycho on season four, Darth Vader style, and kills everyone. <laughs> I don't know enough about her as an individual. Do you mean the character Eleven that she plays, or do you mean her as an actress? Um, I know she's been in some pretty good stuff, but that's all I really know about her. Friendships are tem temporary, packs are forever. Yeah, make a pact with the devil with yourself, and it'll always pay off. TikTok witches are hotties, though. Sadly, most of them don't know squat about the occult. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you're following some of these people in social media or online in some way, simply because you're getting something out of just looking at them, by all means, do it. No shame. You're getting something out of it. But if you're buying into their bullshit, well, then shame on you. You're, you're a dumbass. Intention is everything. And uh, you like witches who don't know that they are. Yeah, yeah. The true natural witch, um, it's a bit of a trite phrase nowadays, I think, but my mother, for an example, is a Mormon, but she is a witch. She is a natural, she would hate that anyone would say that about her, and she would deny it through, you know, her entire life to her last breath, but the truth is, she manipulated us as kids in, like, psychologically damaging ways, and so it's not always a positive... <laughs> But natural witches, you got to give mad respect for because they can turn the fucking world around for individuals. All right, let's do a little info informant here. Before I do, I want to see if I can fix this really quick. So I hope you'll bear with me for just a moment. I'm going to throw up this image and then we're going to get into it. <clears throat> I wonder if it's just simply a, a weird setting that I have here. No. Hmm. All right. I don't know why it's still doing it, but it's still doing it. Okay. Online speech shield under fire. As Trump Facebook ban stays, this is from AP uh, Associated Press News. Lurking beneath Facebook's decision on whether to continue Donald Trump's suspension from its platform is a far more complex and consequential question. Do the protections carved out for companies when the internet was in its infancy 25 years ago make sense when some of them have become global powerhouses with almost unlimited reach? The companies have provided a powerful megaphone for Trump. Other world leaders and billions of others to uh, air their grievances, even ones that are false or damaging to someone's reputation. Knowing that the platforms themselves were shielded from liability for content posted by users. Now that shield is getting a critical look in the uh, current climate of hostility towards big tech and the social environment of political polarization, hate speech, and violence against minorities. 
The debate is starting to take root in Congress, and the action this week by Facebook's quasi-independent oversight board upholding the company's suspension of Trump's accounts could add momentum to that legislative effort. Under the 1996 Communications Decency Act, digital platform companies have legal protections both for content they carry and for removing postings they deem offensive. The shelter from lawsuits and prosecution applies to social media posts, uploaded videos, user reviews on restaurants or doctors, classified ads, or the underworld of thousands of websites that profit from false and defamatory information on individuals. Section 230 of the law, which outlines the shield, was enacted when many of the most powerful social media companies didn't even exist. It allowed companies like Facebook, Twitter, and Google to grow into the behemoths they are today. Republicans accuse the social media platforms of suppressing conservative voices and giving a stage to foreign leaders branded as dictators while, while Trump is barred. Democrats and civil rights groups decry the digital presence of far-right extremists and pin blame on the platforms for disseminating hate speech and stoking extremist violence. Quote, far too long, social media platforms have hidden behind Section 230 protections to censor content that deviates from their beliefs. Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi, the senior Republican on the Senate Commerce Committee, has said. On this, Trump and President Joe Biden apparently agree. Trump, while president, called for the repeal of Section 230, branding it a, quote, serious threat to our national security and election integrity. Biden said during his campaign that it immediately should be revoked, though he hasn't spoken about the issue at length as president. Facebook, with a strong lobbying presence in Washington and a desire to have an input into any changes, has stepped out in favor of revisions to Section 230. Congress should update the 1996 law to make sure it's working as intended, CEO Mark Zuckerberg has said. And he's offered a specific suggestion. Congress could require internet platforms to gain legal protection only by proving that their systems for identifying illegal content are up to snuff. Some critics see a clever gambit in that, a requirement that could make it more difficult for smaller tech companies and startups to comply and would ultimately advantage Facebook over smaller competitors. <clears throat> Spokesmen for Twitter and Google declined to comment on the pr prospect for legislative action on Section 230 following the Facebook board ruling. A spokesperson for Menlo Park, California-based Facebook, has no immediate comment. The decision announced by the Facebook Oversight Board upheld the suspension of Trump and extremely rare move that was based on the company's conclusion that he incited violence leading to the deadly January 6th Capitol riot. But the overseers told Facebook to specify how long the suspension would last, saying its indefinite ban on the former president was unreasonable. The ruling, which gives Facebook six months to comply, effectively postpones any possible Trump reinstatement and puts the onus for that decision squarely back on the company. Trump was permanently banned after the riot from Twitter, his favorite bullhorn, but it was Facebook that played an integral role in both Trump's campaigns, not just as a way, of speak, uh, a way to speak to his more than 32 million followers, but also as a fundraising juggernaut, driving small-dollar contributions through highly targeted ads. Critics of Facebook generally saw the oversight board's ruling as positive, but some view of the board as a distraction by Facebook to skirt the responsibility and to stave off action by Congress or the Biden administration. What must be addressed, critics insist, 
are the broader problems for society from the fearsome power, market dominance, and underlying business model of Facebook and the other tech giants, harvesting data from platform users and making it available to online advertisers so they can pinpoint consumers to target. That's where the debate over changes to Section 230 comes in, as a key area for new regulation of social media. Gautam Hans, a technology law and free speech expert and professor at Vanderbilt University, says he finds the board to be a bit of a sideshow from the larger policy and social questions that we have about these companies. So here's where I land on this. I find an incredible amount of irony that Republicans are asking for more regulation. If you don't see the incredible irony of that, when it comes to them getting perceived as silenced, we need corporate regulations. We must stop these companies from stopping our speech. Meanwhile, they're still being heard by literally everyone in every other media platform. So how stifled are they actually? <laughs> but in every other aspect, we need less government. We need less regulation. When it comes to them being silenced because of, uh, you know, companies exhibiting their right as a company to silence whoever they want, which is actually an argument they have. They say, if you don't want to serve, if you don't want to bake a cake for a gay wedding and you're a baker, you shouldn't have to. And yet... If you're in social media running a social media company and someone's speaking out in this a way that you don't like, you shouldn't be able to let them ban you? Does anyone else see the fucking irony of that? The hypocrisy inherited in the system? There's violence inherited in the system. It's ridiculous. That being said, I actually agree with them. I agree with Republicans. Um... I don't think companies should be able to provide a platform that is free to all, sell their data, and then say, oh, but not them. No, it's either free because you're making money from them to all, or you don't make money off of them, and it's not free to all. You don't get both ways, and right now they do. So I do definitely think there needs to be more regulation, not just in social media, but in business in general, that's my perspective. Um, but you as a Republican, if, you, if you're a fan of less regulation and then you're bitching about being silenced by private companies or, or, or public corporations, you're complaining about the very thing that you're trying to support, you stupid fuck. If you can't see that, you're even more of an ignorant asshole than everyone else sees you as. And they do. Because you are. Unbelievable. Okay, that being said, no one, no one thinks the lies that he spouts uh, is true. And if you do think that, then you don't actively think. You're a lemming. So I would say let the lemmings walk off a cliff and don't stifle speech from anyone. Allow him back on to be the shit disturber he is because everyone recognizes him as that. It's not like before when no one knew what kind of a politician he would be. Everyone knew what kind of a failed businessman he was, is. <laughs> but they never knew what kind of a horrible politician he would end up being. But let's let him back on. 
I just, I don't see how it's a negative. He's actually getting more press for being seemingly oppressed. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of crazy. On the other side, hate speech. The line of hate speech. We live in a time where people are so willing to be offended. They look for ways to be offended. And if they're not offended personally, then they're offended on someone else's behalf. So we cannot use hate speech as if it was 1960. If you're using, you know, racially derogatory language, okay, hate speech. If you're saying that liberals need to stop being whiny crybabies, that's not hate speech. That's an opinion. And a true one, if we're going to be honest. If you're saying that Republicans are hypocritical, uh, self-hating uh, liars, well, anecdotally, there are a lot of them out there that you can pinpoint. That's an opinion, though. Share it. Let it be known. If you hate this administration or you hated the last administration, you should have the right to share that idea on a free platform that you are literally giving away your personal identity to. And this is the worst part. You're actively giving away everything about you. You're not just your data, as if that's not bad enough, but your own decision-making your own thought processes by engaging in social media. You're giving that to another company and then they're still telling you that you're doing it wrong or you need to sit in a corner for this amount of time or they're kicking you off the platform. How insane, how much power, raw power do they have that they can not only steal from you and not give you any fucking kickback, but then put you in the corner as if you were a child as well unbelievable balls and yet they do it and they get away with it because of lobbyists and because most people don't vote <laughs> and so it will continue because all of you people who use social media will not stop using it because you're addicts because you want to be told what to look at and who to hear from and who to be enraged by and how to think and how to behave and what to like and what to don't like. You like being controlled. You are a lemming. And that's okay. I guess the world needs lemmings because we got a lot of them. Some of us choose not to. And this sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself on this pedestal like I am so much greater than all of you. And yeah, I am. But. But. I'm running a YouTube show, which is a social media platform. So I'm a hypocrite too. <laughs> hey, at least I'm honest. I'm not pretending like I'm in charge of everything. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy that this is still a thing. That, that companies can steal from you and then put you in timeout. It doesn't make any sense. And, and we're letting it happen. And I don't like Trump. I think he's a piece of shit. But I'll defend anyone's right to free speech and expression on a free publicly available platform that they're stealing your data and making decisions on your behalf for. Of course, that's the satanic perspective to have. Freedom. <laughs> yeah, what competition? <laughs> there is no competition when there's dominant forces like Facebook, Twitter, and Google. And Amazon. Let's not forget them.
Okay, that being said, let's do this next one. Well, actually, what do you guys think? Anything? Monopolies suck. Uh, competition is key to growth. At a, uh, you'd think that. And that's what we've been taught. Because everyone that's been taught um, capitalism has believed the lie that everyone that has been taught communism has believed. And that's that it's this fair playing field. Everyone is going to benefit from this wonderful uh, political ideology. No. No. Uh, communism doesn't work because we're human beings and we want power. And so an individual that's in a position of power will then dominate the communist situation. So everyone doesn't benefit. Everyone doesn't have a fair shake in that society. Only a small amount do. And then they divvy out however much power they want to to the lesser ones. That's why communist fails. Capitalism is failing and has been failing for a long time because it's crony capitalism. It's monopolies dominating the political spheres, passing legislation and stopping legislation in order to allow them to maintain dominant control and squash their competitors. There's no fair playing ground in crony capitalism, which is what America is great at. It's a fucking gamed system. And you either play the game system or you get squashed. That's the reality of it. So yeah, I like the idea of capitalism. I love the idea of capitalism. I think it's a great idea. It just doesn't work in reality. Okay. You can always just meet up with them and uh, have a chat. The issue is how do we as a species create a decentralized form of electronic communications? Email. One-on-one. <laughs> -on -one. Or you can do groups. If voting made a difference, uh, they wouldn't let us do it. Mark Twain, don't let that stop you from voting. I love the wit and witticism of comedians and commentators um, in their reactions to voting. But Trump was elected through voting. Voting works. Marijuana was decriminalized and or legalized because of voting. Voting works. You just have to... <laughs> Be engaged every single time so that you get the people in power that will not succumb to said power. And if they do succumb to it, you vote them out. They're supposed to be working for you, not someone else. You as the citizen. And if you don't stay on top of it, it's your fault. Democracy only works, only works if you are actively participating. If you don't, it will never uh, ba, 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 ba. let's see. It amazes you and still dislike the woman. Liz Cheney grew half a brain. <laughs> yeah, I don't like her policies as an individual, but she's right. There's a cult and I don't like her party, but her party has completely lost its way. Like you can argue that that happened in uh, Reagan administration. And I would not argue with you about that, but they've gone off the deep end at this point. They're nowhere near what they actually claim to be. They're just a cult of personality at this point. Um, because they have a right to is a terrible reason to support it. Do you mean free speech? Oh, support for corporate tech fascist because they have a right to is still support for fascism. Um, the problem is, is individuals with fascist ideas or small groups with fascist ideas have always existed and will always exist. We can't pretend that we can squash it. Whether you like it or not, it's just a truth. It's a reality. We are tribal as human beings. Some of us want someone to make choices for us. 
uh, for us in a fascist regime, and some of us want to have a more participatory experience in the society they live in. And it just falls down to you and your own individual, how you are raised, the culture and the society, etc. Completely different for everyone. So we can't pretend like there's a good and a bad here. Because that's not real. That's not reality. Reality is grays. Shades of gray that you have to kind of find yourself in. And where you find yourself changes throughout your life and in the different situations. Um, so I personally... Fascism is not for me. I understand why some lemmings would like it because it puts less onus of responsibility on their shoulders. It makes me disgusted to see them, but they are there and I can't pretend that they're not. So it will always exist, whether or not it's shared online or not, it will always exist. So we have to face these realities and try to, if you want to participate in the society, again, it's all about choice. If you want to participate in a society, you have to actively work at like having greater numbers, getting more people out that share your ideas so that your total environment can remain yours and not the fascists. Not everyone sees that way. Responsibility is scary to some people. I mean, honestly, it's scary. All some people want to do is wake up, go to work, come home, get their paycheck, go to bed. And that's their life. Awesome. I want more. I feel like Ariel. <laughs> but I want more. <laughs> I want to be where the people are. I learned, okay, quick side note. I learned that entire uh, movie's songs, the lyrics to all the songs, because when I was in middle school, when that movie came out, there was a girl who liked it. And <laughs> so in order to connect with her and impress her, I watched, uh, um, uh, what is that called? Little Mermaid over and over and over again. It's a great Disney flick, but I memorized everything just for a girl. So I could, I can, I can fucking throw that entire movie out. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that's kind of, kind of sad human being I am. I'm not better than anyone. I'm really not. I'm worse than most. All right, let's do a little creature feature. <laughs> Let's throw up this image and we will talk about something that I've been wanting to talk about for at least 12 hours. <laughs> Boys from County Hell. Horrible name. Lots of fun film. So I, I've, I saw this poster. Uh, I subscribed to Shudder, which is a movie streaming service that just focuses on horror films. There's a little sci-fi mixed in there, but most sci-fi has horror elements. So I forgive it. Uh, but I ran through the movie poster because, again, you're scrolling through, like, splash screens for movies. And I was like, that looked like a country western thing, and I'm not really in the mood. Didn't even pay attention to it. One day, I just, for whatever reason, decided to click on it and read the actual story. I'm like, oh, this actually sounds really interesting. I watch it, and, like, in the middle of the film, I'm turning to my wife like, I'm really enjoying this. This is a really fun film. And she's like, yeah, who would have thought? 
we just had a great time. I like got on my phone and started reaching out to Cameron. Um, you guys know Satanist Cameron. Uh, and I was like, dude, have you seen this film? This is amazing. This is what we do whenever we see good movies. We, we reach out to each other. But uh, yeah, so I, I, I immediately fell in love with it. And then I started looking at the actual, the, the history that the film is based on, like the premise that it's built on. And it's interesting too. So we're going to get into all that. All right, so uh, IMDb has this at 6 out of 10, which I think is fair. Um, Rotten Tomatoes has it 84% tomato meter, which is uh, critics gave it 84% out of 100. The audience only gave it 62% out of 100, which I suppose makes sense if you don't think about movies. I actually saw one review for this film that said I was bored a quarter of the way through and I couldn't even pay attention. I think that speaks more about you as a viewer than the actual film itself. This was a fun film. And if you didn't get the wit and witticism throughout, you're just dumb. <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> it's genuinely funny. All right, here's the log line, which is bad, and then I'm going to tell you what it's about. A crew of hardy road workers, led by a bickering father and son, must survive the night when they accidentally awaken an ancient Irish vampire. Now, if that doesn't get your panties wet, let's talk about what it's actually about. Strange events unfold in Six Mile Hill, a sleepy Irish town that claims to have been traveled by the famed author Bram Stoker. When construction on a new road disrupts the alleged grave of Abartok, a legendary Irish vampire said to have inspired Dracula, deadly and sinister forces terrorize the work crew led by Francis Moffat and his son Eugene, a free-spirited young man who prefers prints, uh, I'm sorry, pints to pickaxes, and they're forced to fight to survive the night while exposing the true horror of what resides in the town's local myth. So this entire film is based on an Irish myth that is actually a real Irish myth. Bram Stoker was an Irish writer. He never would have known the ins and outs of uh, uh, Vlad the Impaler's personal torturing life. He would have known about the Turk wars that he engaged in and who the leaders were and stuff, but he would not have known the minutia of impaling them on pikes and stuff like that. And so there's this whole movement of historians that actually believes Bram Stoker was more inspired by this myth about vampires in his own country of Ireland than he was about Vlad the Impaler, which is really interesting to me. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the movie, and then I'm going to talk about the myth, because I love this stuff. It's so much fun. Uh, it was written by Chris Bow and Brendan Moulin. It was directed by Chris Bow. The cast is Jack Rowan as Eugene Moffat, Nigel O'Neill as Francie Moffat, Lusa, uh, Louisa Harland as Claire McCann, Michael Hugh as S.P. McCauley. He's <laughs> a great character. Uh, they just call him S.P. John Lynch is uh, George Bogue, and Fra Fee is William Bogue. So you open with this film, with this old couple, this old Irish couple sitting, it's in Ireland. They're sitting in front of their TV going, what should we be doing, mother? You know, this is a, a, a rather tired night, and the, the, the lady is like, why don't we go have a pint down at uh, the Stoker? So Stoker after Bram Stoker, because that's what made this little town famous. And so there's an inn, a little pub named the Stoker. Uh, so tourists, it's the big tourist trade of this town is that people want to come to the area where Bram Stoker was inspired to write Dracula. 
And so they stop by this town and they go out to this field to see this cairn, which is a bunch of stones stacked on each other with this like goat head skull at the very top, which supposedly this Abernach character was buried upside down underneath the cairn so that he could no longer practice his magic. Again, actually part of an Irish myth, which is more the fun for it, right? Um, and so you get to see the uh, inhabitants of this small sleepy town not only terrorize you know tourists by you know making a joke of their experience and giving them a memory in the process but also making a joke of this irish myth as if it was a myth and then again going back to the old folks in front of the tv blood starts seeping out of their different orifices and it's like crawling out like the blood is like moving as if gravity is somehow pulling it away or like a vacuum is pulling the blood away to seemingly this vampiric entity and so rather than being a vampire story of a creepy vampire coming into your window at night and sucking your blood this is literally the vampire if you're in a proximity to him he has the power just to draw your blood to him and feed that way so it's a completely different take on the traditional vampire tale and an added little bonus this group of friends uh, ends up like just really drunk walking through the field sort of scrapping with each other out of fun because that's what us guys do <laughs> one of them falls back on the cairn cuts his hand and it's realized that if you cut your hand on the cairn it's as if the vampire bit you and you turn into an undead creature as well and so now you have to deal with all of these other undead creatures coming around and the story ends up being revealed Actually, I don't want to ruin it for you because I do think you should watch it. Anyway, it's very entertaining. It's very funny. It the the again, I'm an American, so my American sensibilities of language is different. It's hard for me to understand quick speaking Irish accents. I pride myself in being able to do it, but I, I'm just not as good as I thought I was because I was you know missing some stuff here and there, and so I had to turn on subtitles. I'm embarrassed to admit I had to have subtitles on for it, the English language, but it was because they spoke in such a thick Irish accent in such a quick way that I didn't catch everything. So I had to have subtitles for English. <sighs> I'm not proud of it. <laughs> but it made me enjoy the movie all that more, all that much more. Anyway, it's, it's a wild, fun adventure of this just regular group of friends and family living normal, just small town lives being caught up in an undead not really invasion but mystery that ties back to an old myth of theirs that they've made fun of their entire lives it's a lot of fun it's a great film and i highly recommend everyone check it out because if this is the type of storytelling that we're getting out of irish myths i want to throw money at irishmen and women filmmakers and, and writers for all time because it's amazing it's really good it's a whole new twist on the vampire myth again that we all know already we've seen every damn film about vampires we think we know every truth of the myths and then this film comes and turns it all on its head it's a fresh new perspective from an original source who would have thought <laughs> it's great and it makes you question whether Bram Stoker actually was meaning Vlad the Impaler or the Abernack myth all right, love Shudder. Yeah, Mike, Shudder's the fucking bomb. It's so great. If you don't subscribe to Shudder, um, just do it for one month. 
And then just spend that month whenever you have free time. I don't know if you do every night or every other night or once a week or whatever it is. Just spend time just digesting some really great horror films. Because what they do is like, like Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime, you know, they cycle through films. So you're getting a mix of old horror from like the 40s on to modern day, but also brand new horror films that because of this last year were never picked up by major labels, were never distributed uh, across theaters. And the only way you're going to see them is if you subscribe to this, this um, or I, because AMC owns Shudder, you might see them on AMC too. I don't know for sure. But um, the only way you're going to see them is if you subscribe to channels like this. You know, uh, I think it's not a channel. I don't know. Streaming apps, I guess. Like this. It's great. So you get to see old Christopher Lee flicks. You get to see new takes. Like they re uh, uh, brought back Creepshow. Which, holy hell, is amazing! The new creep show is so good. The second season is like, I think it's in the middle of the season or it's almost over the, the second season, but it was great. They brought back a new um, uh, documentary about the history of horror, uh, specifically in the 80s. And if you grew up in the 80s, oh my gosh, there's the most amazing horror films in that era that are very specific to that era. And it dives into them all, you know, through the eyes of, of not just professionals who you know comment and, and review film but also the actors that were in them the directors that directed them i mean it's great you get to see the special effects artists talking about it a lot of really great stuff on shutter i can't talk about it enough but anyway let's talk about abarnak abartak because there's another uh, myth that's a similar phrasing that is different so this is the a-B-H-A-R-T-A-C-H. Abartach. So, the original myth is uh, released by Patrick Weston Joyce in The Origin and History of Irish Names and Places. And he was actually a dwarf, like a small person. Uh, this is a place in the parish of Erangol and Derry called Slotaverti, but it ought to have been called Lotaverti, the Lacht, or sepulchral monument of the Abartach, or dwarf. The dwarf was a magician and a dreadful tyrant, and after having perpetuated great cruelties on the people, he was at last vanquished and slain by a neighboring chieftain. Some say uh, Fionn Mac Cumail. He was buried in a standing posture, like straight up, but the very next day he appeared in his old haunts, more cruel and vigorous than ever. And the chief slew him a second time and buried him just like he did before. But again, he escaped from the grave and spread terror throughout the whole country. The chief then consulted a druid, and according to his directions, he slew the dwarf a third time and buried him in the same place with his head pointed down. And doing that, subdued his magical power so that he would never again appear on earth. The lacht raised over the dwarf is still there, and you may hear the legend with much more detail from those natives of the place, one of whom told it to him. So uh, it's like a cairn. It's just a pile of stones. So uh, in some modern versions of the story, uh, Abartach raises from the grave to drink the blood of his subjects, while the chieftain who slayed the revenant, his name is Cathane. The hero variously consults his early Christian saint instead of a druid, and is told that Abartach is one of the Naaman Mart or Walking Dead. I do not pronunciate Gallic well. So if you speak Gallic, I, I apologize for uh, my bad pronunciations. 
Um, so that this was literally a walking dead creature um, in ancient Irish folklore. Uh, and that he can only be restrained by killing him with a sword made of yew wood, burying him upside down, and surrounding his grave with thorns and placing a large stone on top of the grave. This is an actual myth that is believed Bram Stoker grew up in this area. He would have known about this myth. So why would he not have pulled on it for inspiration for Dracula? He wrote Dracula. He referenced, because to him, if you're in Ireland... Anywhere outside of Ireland, just as, you know, if you're in Canada or if you're in uh, America or wherever you are, anywhere outside of where you are is a little bit more exotic than where you are. The whole grass is always greener, you know, myth that we, we all subscribe to as children. So uh, he would have see, seen like Turkey as this far off exotic place that he wanted to, you know, have his bad guy in his new uh, novel be from. But the myth is all from homegrown sources. There's schools of thought that think uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula is all about an Irish myth. And I like it. I like the idea a lot. I love folklore. I love reading uh, the oldest myths, especially creation myths, but just myths in general that come out of different cultures because it speaks to who they were, how they lived, this culture that they actually grew from. I find it very, very interesting. Um, so that being said, that's all I got for this show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in i know this is a bit of a weird one i wanted to get so much out in this episode because again i missed a week and so i kind of felt like i needed to to sort of double down on the information i don't know um i don't know if i overdid it or not but i tried i'm gonna work on this streaming issue because it is genuinely bothering me uh, i'm gonna try to fix it and i hope it hasn't affected any of your streams and if it has i apologize this happens from time to time. Maybe I'll drop it back down to 10, 1080p. Um, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Nine Cents. Uh, you can view my past episodes or my other satanic series on my website, reverendcampbell.com. If you want to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com and read the Satanic Bible. It's actually out there uh, for anyone to listen to on my YouTube channel that you're watching right now. So if you don't want to go and pick it up and read it yourself, though I highly recommend you do. Um, but again, there is an audio version for those who just can't read. Um, which, it's a real thing. <laughs> there's, there's, there's blind people. Okay, um, that being said, I don't know if they have the Satanic Bible in Braille. I've never thought about that before now. Huh. Okay. Maybe there's an opportunity for someone to make a buck. Uh, if you want to learn more about uh, the different shows I'm going to produce, when I'm going to release them, and uh, who I'm going to have on with me, because from time to time I do have guests or co-hosts, uh, subscribe to my newsletter. Uh, the link is below. It's a mailing list. I mail you like once a week when I have a show, and I just let you know what's going on. And uh, until next time, hail Satan. Thank you, guys.